0: Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible study podcast for women. I'm your host, Amy Spreeman. Check out all the Bible studies at naomi'stable.com. Now, here's teacher Beth Seifert with today's lesson in 2 Corinthians. So pull up a chair, open your Bibles, and let's begin. Welcome to the study in the book on 2 Corinthians, ladies. And today we're just going to go through an overview of the book and talk about who wrote it, why they wrote it, what was the purpose, where it was going. And this timing of this letter is a little bit difficult to explain. The reason is that there's a letter that is missing to us that Paul references as he writes this letter. There were actually three letters to the Corinthians, but only the first and the third survived. However, it's silly to call this letter 3 Corinthians when we don't actually have the second one. So, since this is the second letter that we actually have, we call it 2 Corinthians. So, a bit of a timeline here. The church in Corinth began when Paul visited there for roughly 18 months, and we see reference to this in Acts 18. That was the start of the Corinthian church. The next big interaction we see between Paul and Corinth is when he wrote to them the first time. He wrote that letter from Ephesus during his three-year stay there. At the end of 1 Corinthians, we see that Paul shares his plans, intending to come and spend a great deal of time with these people. However, that plan must have changed. So we see in this letter that Paul did visit Corinth, but very briefly, to address some of the issues that he had written of in his first letter, and then Paul leaves. He then sends Titus with the actual second letter, the one now lost to us to these people, and Paul has been waiting to hear from Titus on how they responded to that letter. We see this concern throughout this letter, which again is the third letter but called the second, Paul referencing that severe or hard letter as he again expresses his intention of coming to visit them for a longer period of time. Keep in mind, Paul has a history with these people. They have an intimate knowledge of each other, so it shouldn't surprise us that we see Paul referencing things that occurred that these people should be aware of. Indeed, in the first chapter we see Paul referencing events that actually occurred before he wrote the first letter to the Corinthians, but it appears that those events were made known to this church, apparently not by Paul, and so Paul is addressing those events in the start of this letter. Again, this was a letter. It's not that unusual to write a letter and say, oh, I forgot to tell you this in the last letter, or I wasn't trying to hide this from you, but I've gotten questions about this event that took place quite a while ago, and then fill in the details. We'll dig more into that when we get to chapter 1, though, but for now, just keep this in mind. This church was founded, the first letter was written, a second brief visit occurred, the second letter was written, and sent with Titus, that's the letter that's now lost to us, and then this letter, which we do have, called Second Corinthians, was written. From the things we can glean from this letter, we know that the brief visit Paul made to the people, in between the writing of the first letter and this letter, we gather that the visit didn't go well. Paul talks about how that visit was made in sorrow, and while we don't know specifically what that was, there are hints in chapter 2 that suggest that someone in Corinth had opposed Paul in an aggressive way or maybe seriously offended Paul. We learn that Paul has now heard from Titus as to how the people received the letter he was charged with delivering, and Paul is relieved by their response. They appear to have responded with repentance, and that they continue to express their loyalty and affection to Paul. In chapter 7, we also see that part of Paul's intention in writing this letter is to encourage the people, as they have repented, so that when he does come to visit for a longer period of time... The people will be continuing in the process of repentance and reconciliation, and hopefully the tension that was surrounding the previous brief visit will be mitigated. Paul also encourages these believers to finish their collection and to defend his ministry against the false teachers, who appear to have been Jewish Christians whose teaching was a denial of the biblical gospel. As Paul defends himself through this letter, we can gather a decent idea of what those false teachers were teaching as we see Paul address the errors. Paul writes this letter not only to encourage the people in their repentance, but also to defend. We see him defend his personal appearance, his presence, charisma, and speaking ability in this letter, and we can infer that these were likely areas in which the false teachers were leveling personal attacks against Paul. These false teachers were not merely teaching false doctrines, but were making false accusations against Paul himself, not just his message, and insisting that their personal power and appearance and charisma demonstrated that they were right and Paul was wrong. So we see Paul defining what he has actually been called to and defending the authenticity of that calling, showing that the suffering he has experienced is actually what all Christians should anticipate as opposed to the false teaching that suffering meant you were in error. Incidentally, we still see that same teaching today in the prosperity gospel, which insists that it is always God's will to heal and to make you wealthy, and if you are suffering in any way, it is, somehow, your fault, due to sin or lack of faith. That message is just as insidious today as it was in Paul's day. The longer visit that Paul plans for Corinth does come about, and we see in Acts 20 that Paul leaves Corinth with the collection they gathered for the saints. So that's part of how we know that the visit did take place, because we see in this letter that the collection had not occurred yet, but in Acts 20, we see that Paul is on his way with that collection. In 2 Corinthians, we get some intimate looks into Paul's ministry and into his own life. We see his ministry as one of divine comfort and encouragement to him in the midst of incredible suffering and trouble, and we see that his ministry was also a living example of how God's strength is manifested in human weakness. Paul defends his conduct and ministry in this letter as he shares what he has endured for the sake of the gospel. He expresses his true, deep love for the churches and his ministry, and we see frequent references to Paul judging with the eyes of faith not the judgment of the world. Paul continues to call this church to get their eyes off the world and on to Christ. Paul's defense of himself in this letter is not because of his concern over his own reputation. Paul defends his personal ministry because the gospel is being attacked when his ministry is attacked. To give confidence in the gospel, Paul defends his own authority and his true calling as an apostle. 2 Corinthians can be put into a rough three section outline. Section 1 is chapters 1 through 7, where we see Paul being largely positive as he rejoices in the repentance of these believers. Section 2 is chapters 8 to 9, where Paul appeals to them to complete the collection they started. Section 3 is chapters 10 to 13, where Paul deals with the painful issue of the false teachers and their accusations. As we read through this letter, you're going to hear me say many times, Paul writes, but we need to remember that although Paul was the human author of this letter, this is divinely inspired, ladies. So yes, Paul writes, but as we saw in 1 Corinthians, that does not mean that this is Paul's opinion given forth here. This is God's word being brought to us through his servant, Paul. And knowing that, we can see many applications for ourselves today as we read this letter. The call to repentance and reconciliation is something that is still not done well among believers today. We desire our own agendas far more than we desire reconciliation, and we should receive the rebuke of this letter and apply it to ourselves, not to those around us. Also, we will see very practical instructions for living out our Christian lives and for our interactions with those who are in the body of Christ. We also see the danger of false teaching and how easy it is to be led astray. We should read these concerns here and apply this with soberness to all the teaching that we sit under, inside and outside of our churches. We should know that not all that calls itself Christian is Christian, and we should be wary as a result of anything that veers from Scripture. The music we listen to, the books we read, the instruction we receive should all be filtered through the lens of Scripture, even when that music or book or teacher calls itself Christian. So ladies, as we begin this letter to the Corinthians, spend some time in prayer today, just asking God to help prepare your heart to hear what he has to say in this letter. May we take his word and apply it first to our own lives. Then may we apply it in the body that we serve with and in the world that we live in. You'll find the notes for this study under the Bible Studies tab of the website naomistable.com under Day 1, Overview.